to the Hardware Asylum Podcast Extras. This episode, we talk about custom painting Darren's new case, and Darren gives us his impressions of Battlefront. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren McKay. In this month's main episode, episode 59, we talked quite a bit about my PC build, which is finally getting finished. And we talked about the hardware and some of the effort that went into that. But what we didn't talk about, Dennis, is what that build is going into. And it's something special. Yeah, it's a custom-painted Thermaltake V51. Now, the V51 core is the case. Mm-hmm. And it's it's big and beautiful and something. Why did we pick that case? What What's special about the core V51? Well, it's a big mid-tower, according to Thermaltake. And it's designed primarily for water cooling. So it's very modular in its in inside the case so we have a basic chassis it's a bit wider than a normal case so you can put tall coolers in it inside it you can remove all of the internal base so it has two external five and a quarters you can remove those completely and it has um, two other drive racks for three and a halfs you can remove those reposition them um, all opening up the entire case for water cooling gear pumps radiators stuff like that so we won't have water cooling in that right away because the plan for this particular Core V51 is to build a custom water cooling kit this year as a project for the site. Mm-hmm. So for now, we're stuck with regular air cooling. But that's not even the exciting part about the case. The exciting part is, dun-dun-dun, I, uh, I custom painted it for you. That's and, right. Yeah, and this is... Uh, in the past, I've given away a couple of cases on Hardware Asylum, and I would custom paint them. And I never get one. <sighs> no, no. But uh, I would disassemble them and then paint select pieces inside. And I did that mostly on purpose so that I had less chance for errors because I'm using automotive pearl orange. And it's a, a multi-layered paint. So you have the sealer coat, a base coat, a color coat, and then a clear coat. Well, much like high-end overclocking... Painting a case isn't something that you just go grab a rattle can at your local auto parts store. No, but it's something that you can do. I mean, I've painted cases that way before, but this is kind of taking it to the next level. Um, so but with the giveaway cases, I would paint select pieces, like all the metal on the outside and the motherboard tray, or maybe just like the hard drive base or something like that. That way, it gave it accent colors against a black case and less chances of me screwing up. (laughs) No. Well, you know, everybody gets better with practice and that's true of all modding. I remember back in the day, it used to be all about the base cases and the Dremel and the world has really changed for modders since then. Yeah. Well, what cases now, I, they're what I call pre-mods. So a lot of the cases you can buy, they will have windows already cut in and anymore. The, the plastic that they use for the window is specially formulated for the panel have little tabs in there and little slots and it only will fit that case um back when i was doing windows for my custom mods it was a piece of lexan i would cut the square to make the right dimensions and then just kind of glue it in place with some silicone like bathroom sealant and that would hold it in place and i would tint it and make it look really nice now it's like like on the core v51 for instance if we screw up on that plastic getting it tinted there's no way I can put another piece of plastic in there. <laughs> oh, no. At least it wouldn't look the same, that's for sure. No. So, but um, for your particular case, I disassembled it to do a bit of accent coloring, but I wanted to 
transformed the outside of the case to be the pearl orange. I wanted that to be the highlight, primarily because the front of the V51 has this nice ornate um, perforated piece of metal that wraps around the front of the case. So we painted the back of that the pearl orange, and then there's a vent on top, which a magnetic filter. So folks at home might be now wanting to picture this in their heads. So I'm going to point them to our Hardware Asylum forums. The Thread Thermal Take Core V51 Modding Project in our Cases section where you can see some pictures of this process that we're talking about Mm -hmm. and a little bit of step-by-step on how we got through it. So you can take a look at this particular thing. But I also want to step back a little bit because I think people don't really understand what disassembling a case means to you because it's a little different than what I had envisioned. (laughs) Especially when you talk about the case being so modular that everything comes out sounded pretty easy and having been a part of that process i want to make sure that people at home understand that there's a lot more to that than you made it sound right uh (laughs) so when disassembling a case for painting for instance basically means taking it down to its constituent parts so i take a drill and i drill out all the aluminum rivets in the case so if i want to remove the top panel there's on the V51, I think there was 15... Holy cow. <laughs> 15 pop rivets that need to be drilled out. So you drill those out, and then the, the top panel comes off. At that point, I can do whatever I want to that. And some of the modders will go in, and like if you want to cut an actual fan hole in there and have it removed from the case, you can remove it, drill or dremel out the uh, the hole you want, and then place it back on. You know, back in the day, we did that with side panels. Right. But the side panel was pretty easy to remove at that point. So in this case, I think I removed a total of 38 rivets on the Core V51 to break it down. I pulled out the, um, the panel that the hard drive racks attached to, which was, surprisingly enough, it was riveted to the motherboard tray. So the motherboard tray was a separate piece from this part that I removed, which is partially why I removed it. <laughs> right. I uh, pulled off the top panel because that was primarily exposed and also I had that magnetic vent on there because I'm going for contrasting colors. So for for instance the window, it's a very large window on the side of this case. We're going to be tinting that with like a 25% automotive tint that will give us an orange and black color on that side of the case. At the top we have that magnetic filter so we have the base of it's going to be orange and then that filter is still going to remain black. Same with the front. We have that metal piece that covers the plastic panel, which is a new thing that I did. I don't normally paint plastic because it's, um, it likes the fisheye. Okay. Paint doesn't stick to ABS very well, which is pretty crazy. Um, and then on the reverse, we have the, the side panel on the back and it's completely solid. It's one of the largest pieces on this case. And I painted that whole thing orange, which if I had, um, an automotive spray gun where it had a large, um, fan you know when you're painting automotive paints you have what they call the fan which is the um, when the paint is being sprayed out of the nozzle there's two jets of air that adjust how the um, the pattern of that spray will come out so you can adjust how um, tall the fan is you know it basically goes into a vertical line or you can turn it and make it a horizontal line or you can make a nice little round circle which really screws up everything and makes all the paint run but the paint gun that I have doesn't have a very large uh, pattern. So you have to overlap and overlap and overlap and overlap. I think I did about 20, uh, 
20 passes just to make sure there was no banding in the in the uh, pearl coat. Well, it definitely looks fantastic. Just a refresher, how long does this process of disassembling and painting take? I spent a good three days on this particular case build. Uh, the first day was basically prep, so I spent probably two hours, um, well, maybe three, start to finish, disassembling the case and determining how I wanted the outcome to look, you know, the, the color combinations I was going after. Because I could have gone with painting the motherboard tray and the back panel, leaving the rest of it black like I normally do, or I could do the contrasting colors like what I just described. And that's a big part of any sort of a modding project. You need to plan what it is you want the outcome to show up as. And, you know, I've seen some modders that go and draw out their entire build in like SketchUp, for instance, and then they can just click on it and say, I kind of change this color to orange or change this to red, change this back to black. We don't want it that way. Um, I want a hole here, you know, that sort of thing. It allows you to um, mock up and model what it is that you're trying to build. I kind of do this all in my head because, you know, I'm a designer. That's what I do. Well, it's important, I think, also to note that, at least in this case, the end result was we still needed a functional PC, not mm -hmm. just a showpiece. Right. And that's the other thing. You know, a lot of the people that build these custom computers that you see highlighted by Thermaltake or any of the companies that supply the cases, they are they're showpieces. You know, you, you look at the hardware that's in it, it's four years old because they built it that way and they don't want to disassemble it because everything was built for that computer. In your case, we need something that, you know, it's going to be a daily driver. You're going to be taking it to LAN parties. Um, well, I'd hope you take it to a <laughs> LAN party. Yeah, I got to show it off. Yeah. Um, but also, it needs to look good on your desk. So, um, and as you upgrade, you need to be able to pull parts out and replace them as, as needed. So we're not going to be cutting holes in the top of it for a special fan that might blow up in six months. Well, I think that that's part of the design choice up front also. Choosing that Thermaltake Core V51 gave us a very modular case mm -hmm. so that we could build not just this current build into it, but in the future we can make changes, add water cooling, support different drive and board combinations without having to worry about whether the case itself has become obsolete. Right. So for that first day, you know, I was basically mocking up the case and tearing out the parts that I needed to tear out. And that's where those 38 pop rivets came from. I took a couple of pictures of how the, the drilling process works. Right. And sometimes the rivet will go and spin in the case, which is kind of annoying to so get to put some pliers on it. But the idea is the same. You just basically drill out the hole that has the fastener in it that's holding the piece together. And then um, basically I lay out the parts that are going to be painted and put the rest into a box so you don't lose them. Um, day two, this was probably the longest day. And that was the day where I was doing the painting. I don't have a professional spray booth available to me. So I built one in my garage, which is also incidentally where we are recording the podcast, uh, basically consists of, um, building a box out of EMT tubing, which is like metal tubing that you put conduit through for wiring and stuff like that. Um, and then wrap plastic around that so that it's not uh, hermetically sealed to the point where I have ventilation going through it, but it keeps uh, dirt out of what I'm painting and also keeps spray dust off of stuff in my garage. How about the ventilation? Ventilation is um, kind of makeshift. They use a box fan to kind of pull out some of the, the fumes out of there. Uh, the 
the spray gun that I use doesn't have a lot of overspray. So there isn't much fear of um, getting covered in spray dust and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, 10 years ago when I was spraying motorcycles, I would come out looking the color of the motorcycle (laughs) that I was painting. So in this case, it's a little bit cleaner. It uh, doesn't spray as much paint everywhere. Um, The outcome is about the same in terms of look. So we've got disassemble. Mm -hmm. We got painting, which leads us to reassembly. Right. So the clear coat process. Well, okay. The, the paint that we're using is, uh, a three part paint. So you have a sealer and then you have those three coats. The clear coat is the, the one that has the catalyst. That's going to give you the gloss and it's also going to be very hard, but, um, it takes about 24 hours for it to set up to the point where you can start handling it. So by eight o'clock, which was about eight hours after I started, I was done to the point where I could move the pieces and let them cure. Um, the following day it was reassembling the case. And that is as simple as I say, as simple as, <laughs> um, taking some eighth inch pop rivets and a pop rivet gun and reassembling all the connections that I drilled out. So you start with, uh, in this case, I had to start with the internal piece that attached to the motherboard tray because that was, had to remove a bunch of the case to get to the bottom rivet, which is pretty crazy. But reassemble that and then basically start at the bottom and put the case back together, similar to the way that it was assembled to begin with. Well, and time-consuming because not only do you have to remember how to put it together, but you have to be careful not to ruin your hard work of painting. Right. And that is, um, you know, I, I take some tape and wrap it around the popper of the gun, but that isn't really even perfect. Uh, there's a couple of connections in there where you have to get right on the paint. And in most cases where it's flat, the rivet is the only thing making contact with the surface. But um, some of these parts, they have a, a countersunk rivet, and you can't get the rivet gun in there as far enough to be able to snap it together. So you have to go in steps and spin the rivet around, snap it again. And even then, it may not go together completely the way that it was from the factory, but it will stay together to the point where it won't shake apart or anything like that. Oh, you want to keep your stability. Of course, you don't want your hard-earned machine to fall apart when you're traveling to the land party. Nope. But that process of drilling or, you know, drilling out the rivets, taking it apart to paint it and then put it back together allows you the ability to accent certain parts of your build. So when you're thinking of a mod and you want to give something uh, extra in terms of pop, I mean, you can paint the entire case. Sure. Go ahead. But, um, getting a spray gun in there to paint the top part of a corner inside the case is next to impossible unless you can break the part, the pieces apart to do that. So spend a little extra time, rip it apart. And that allows you to change colors and get a better um, result in the end. Well, I think the end product looks pretty good and we're not finished yet. So you'll need to keep checking back again in our hardware asylum forums to see this PC as we finish up the windows the sides some stickers, maybe still a little bit of paint and tint. Mm-hmm. But overall, the build is complete, and we are ready to start putting a functional machine in that. So I look forward to having you guys check back in on that. Over the last month, the hot game was Fallout 4. I mean, there's a lot of jokes on Reddit about, hey, take time out from Fallout 4 to go and make a pizza or something like that. <laughs> But the other game that came out that was a lot of fanfare, especially with the new movie coming out, is 
Star Wars Battlefront, correct? Yes, I I definitely was looking forward to that, and not to put down Fallout 4, but it's under the tree. <laughs> but I did pick up uh, Star Wars Battlefront, and I, I have to say I played in the beta a little bit, so I knew what to expect. So it was exciting to finally come out, and I actually, this is one of the first games in a long time, Dennis, that I've prepaid for, which is always a little bit of a scary experience. Yeah, well, I prepaid for the, um, what was it, Battlefield, or not Battlefield, but uh, Borderlands 2 prequel. Right. And uh, it was terribly disappointing. Yeah, and you know, I did too, and I think that's why I was a little gun-shy on this one, especially coming from Electronic Arts. They've had kind of a rough, rough go a bit, especially with their servers and stuff on releases. Hmm. But this was a first-person shooter from the Star Wars universe, and to be honest with you, I just couldn't resist. All right. Well, first impressions. Um, the way I understand it, it's first-person shooter, correct? Right. And you play as a stormtrooper? So you can play as, uh, well, the Rebellion or the Empire. Mm-hmm. And I haven't played the new content based on the new movie because I just don't want to spoil it. So hmm. I'm focusing my comments really on, like, the Hoth battle, for example, and and some of the small single uh, skirmish levels where you do area control. Okay. Um, well, we these, talk, oh, sorry. I should mention that uh, we talked about this a little bit in our free previous episode, mm-hmm. but it was um, mostly about the beta. So Yeah, absolutely. Here's full game. So full game. First thing I got to tell you, and we talked about this in the in the preview oh, a couple podcasts back, is just how beautiful the game is. This game is gorgeous. I mean, everything has a beautiful texture. There's a lot of reflective. Uh, the snow is brilliant. The, the lasers, which, of course, are plentiful in the Star Wars universe, uh, just attractive. There's beautiful colors of the lightsabers. I mean, everywhere you look is eye candy galore. So it's been a little bit taxing on the machine. So in terms of beauty, is there also a bit of physics effects as well? or You know, I, that's the thing about it is because everything's so beautiful, I can't even tell you what it would look like without. What I can tell you is that it's a little taxing on the machine, so I'm not running it max, and it's still probably the best-looking game that I own, hands down. And that's a pretty big compliment. Mm-hmm. So what mostly I want to talk about is playing it. So the game has a couple of different modes to it. There's a single-player that's kind of a throwaway training section. So I started there and it's the initial missions are you're in like a, I don't know, it's like a rocky, maybe desert hill. And you, uh, it, it takes off directly from, I'm guessing the movies because you are a crashed downed pilot and you need to survive until you can be extracted. So you're on your own against, uh, scout walkers and clone troopers or, you know, whatever they send at you, different types of, of fighters. And how the game works, Dennis, is you get to pick uh, your initial loadout. And you, you can earn these in the multiplayer. So you get to pick what your primary weapon is, and then you get three, well, they're like cards. So you can pick a you know a jet pack or a stationary weapon, you know, or a type of grenade. So you pick your loadout, and then they, and this is part of where maybe the game starts to break down a little bit, is there's unlimited ammo, and that's included on the card. So they have like a recharge time. So you can use them over and over again, but the difficulty and the power of the weapon determines kind of how long before you get a second shot at it. And that's particularly noticeable with some of the stuff that I'd like to have all the time, like the jetpack, for example. 
Right. Well, that kind of plays into the laser aspect of some of the weapons in Star Wars, right? It does. So the weapons are the same way. You can shoot your blaster until it overheats. So if you are really firing and holding down the button, it's going to overheat fairly quickly. So there's a real benefit to controlled bursts and a lot of taking cover. And it uses the same cover system that we've seen in a lot of games that to me feels very console-y. And that is that you have a shield and you have life and your shield is, is depleted by getting hit, of course. So your shield replenishes by not getting hit. So you're going to shoot and as your shield goes down, you're going to take cover. And that's famous from everything from Halo to yeah. uh, you name it. But Although anyway, in, in Star Wars, they don't have shields. <laughs> well, yeah, not really the same thing. But what's also kind of funny about it, and there have been some fun videos, is that the AI is not always very smart. <laughs> so the most successful, at least in the single-player mode, the most successful thing to do is to uh, you know, kill a bunch, take cover, and you find yourself doing a round robin around a hill with like an ATST. Shoot it, run around the hill, shoot it, run around the hill, shoot it around the hill, which is eh, not maybe my favorite thing. But what it does do is it lets me sit down with my son, who is just barely being introduced to the Star Wars world, and he is amazingly impressed. It looks real to him. It's like he's watching a movie. So this is a great opportunity. I wish it had side-by-side multiplayer so that we could play together in the same room on the same computer, because honestly, that would be the perfect experience. But that's single-player. Now, multiplayer, a completely different experience. Now, so since this is an EA game, I'm going to guess that there isn't any single-player aside from the trainer, right? Well, the single-player is, again, it's a lot like a trainer. So you'll probably find yourself playing through it just the the single time because it is interesting, but I didn't find any real desire to go back and play it other than just to you know show it to my son. Mm-hmm. So the multiplayer is a completely different animal and a lot more like the EA experience that you'd expect if you've played Battlefield or any of their multiplayer games lately. The only difference, really, is the level balancing is sketchy, to say the least. I know that Star Wars kind of wants you to follow the battles, but let's use Hoth, which is one of the most popular maps, as an example. In the movies, spoiler alert, if you go way back to the second movie... Empire, by the way. Empire Strikes Back, maybe the best movie, I think. Then the assault on Hoth is one of the highlights of the entire Star Wars universe where the Empire came to the Rebel base in the snow and attacked it and destroyed the generators and chased the Rebels basically to the end of the universe. They lost. They lost. So not unlike that, the game is really, uh, I don't know if it's on purpose or if it's just because people haven't learned it yet. I mean, the Rebels just don't ever win. So if you're on the Rebel side, you... Shouldn't yeah. be. You defend yourself as long as you can, and then, yeah, you lose gracefully. But that being said, the real appeal of the game, I don't know, is necessarily in that. To me, the most fun, especially when I'm playing with my son, is some of the Star Warsy stuff that's unique to the Star Wars game. I mean, you're not going to find this in Battlefield 4. What happens is all of the really cool power-ups, like, you know, flying in an X-Wing or, you know, driving an ad ad if you're with the empire these are also timed events not unlike the cards so you find a you know it looks like a little floating lightning bolt or something and when it's lit up you can go click on it and it gives you the ability to 
transition into, you know, piloting one of these ships. Or if your timing is really right, you can play as one of the heroes and be Luke Skywalker or Darth Vader or Boat of a Fett. And, you know, that just gets me all warm and tingly. I get the biggest smile on my face when you're tromping across the battlefield with a lightsaber. And, and you know, it's it's like you're almost invincible running up and chopping down the the bad guys. And since, you know, everyone's a player, they're all running and chasing and trying to kill you and they can, it just takes a little time, but the same can be true of the ad ads and the placed cannons and stuff. So definitely some balance issues to work out, but there is a mechanic there that as silly and unbalanced as it is, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm assuming that you can try to play as the rebels and try to keep Hoth, but how does it, the game determined that the empire always wins. Did they just put more people on that team or is there a bit of computer magic? Well, it's more about level design. I think Hmm. the level is designed so that there's more resources for the empire and their generators, especially in the Hoth example are out front and the rebels have the base, but you know, there's really no need for the empire to go inside and chase them around. I mean, so you're really just fighting out in the open where the empire has the advantage. Now, one of the things that I didn't mention that is really cool and cinematic is you're playing in what's not always a very large battlefield, which is kind of contrary to what you'd believe. There aren't huge 64 by 64 maps. The maps are much smaller. So you're going to have lots of, I don't know, NPC action going on around you. Some that affects you and some doesn't. And a great example of that is the Hoth battle, again, that some people have seen in the videos because it's been out the longest with the beta. There's an entire space battle going on above you, and it at least the first couple times you play, it's kind of easy to stop and look and go, what the heck is going on up there? And it, it's cool. <laughs> so uh, there's a huge amount of cinematic value to it. Now, those are all the positives, and I've gotten pretty excited about it, but I want to share another kind of big negative, and that is that the game just isn't particularly hard. Even in the multiplayer, you're not going to run out of ammo. The respawn is pretty fast, although that might change as the server mods and server controls get more experienced. But, you know, there's really no incentive to not die. There's a lot of racing for the chance to be a Jedi or whatever, so players are camping these spots. The maps are a little out of balance, although experience will probably make that better as the rebels learn how to defend better. You know, just you get more experienced and learn the maps. But, you know, you don't run out of ammo. You respawn really fast. It's pretty easy to shoot and duck, shoot and duck. So the larger maps, are just they don't feel very tactical, Dennis. It's, so it, it's arcadey. And it kind of reminds me of the comments that came out for Titanfall. Oh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, with Titanfall, you know, you're in its big mech, and if your mech blows up, you can run around, and then if you die, you can actually call down another Titan, and you can go and do the exact mm-hmm. same thing. The maps weren't very big. There's sub-battles going on, but it's one-on-one. Um, admittedly, I've not ever played a Star Wars game like that, except mm-hmm. for, you know, arcade, you know, dating myself here, um, and then some on the Atari, but that pales in comparison to, you know, some of the new Star Wars ones that come out. Well, I really kind of get the impression that the game is is shiny. Ooh, very shiny and beautiful and distracting. And ooh, very shiny and beautiful and distracting here. But I don't know how much meat there is. And I really need to get out and play more of the maps and the game types. And I just haven't had an opportunity. 
So EA, of course, has had some rough launches, and Battlefield 4, one of my favorite games, also had a rough launch and balance issues to start with. So I have a lot of faith that EA is fixing this, and to be fair, since the movie is coming out, they were probably under a lot of pressure to get this out in time for the Christmas season and for the movie. So I wouldn't recommend right now Star Wars Battlefront at, you know, your $69 or $59 price, but it's definitely a game that is beautiful, fun to play, and worth keeping an eye on if the price comes down or they fix some of the balance and difficulty issues. I would definitely love to see you out there in the Star Wars universe. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on HardwareAsylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Google or like us on Facebook. This has been an Ninja Lane production, copyright 2015. Thanks for listening.